Hey, hey, friends. Today, we're going to be talking about content strategy with Abby Herman. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. All right, friends, I am so excited for this discussion with Abby. Yes, she is also a content strategist, and I will let you guys in on a little secret. Most podcast hosts will not allow direct competition on their shows, but you know what? I'm here for you guys, and I'm also here for deep conversations. And deeper conversations do happen when you're talking with someone who also knows what you're talking about. So as part of a grand experiment more on that word later, I decided Abby would be a great guest for the show. And you know what? I was not wrong. We have a really great talk all about the things content strategy often overlooks. We're going to cover how to find out what your audience wants, especially if you don't yet have a following. We're going to cover some of Abby's favorite questions to ask of her audience and how to include the entire client journey in the content strategy so that you aren't leaving people behind. Before we dive in there, I want to tell you a little bit about Abby. She is a content strategist and coach for service-based business owners who want to gain visibility for their businesses with personalized content strategies and implementation. She specializes in idea generation and content strategy and delivery so her clients can keep on doing what they love in their businesses, making the marketing piece feel easy. She's the voice behind the Content Experiment podcast. I told you I'd cover that in a minute, where she features guests and solo episodes to talk about business growth and mindset, content strategy, and visibility. She hosts Content Mastery Lab, a growing membership program to help newer business owners DIY their content marketing because she knows from experience that there's nothing more frustrating than not knowing where to start. All right, on to the show. All right, Abby, welcome to the No Like and Trust Show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks so much for having me. I'm actually really excited for this discussion. I don't think I've ever actually had another content strategist on the show. And I'll be honest, you know, when your idea like first came my way via email, I was like, do I want another content strategist <laughs> on the show? Like, is this a thing? But <laughs> the reality is, I think everyone has a different perspective and I actually really enjoy talking with other people who do the same thing. And usually I learn a whole lot from other people as well. So I wanted to give my audience this opportunity. So if you don't mind starting out with how you kind of fell into the content world, I'd love to hear that. Yes. I'll give you the short version of the story because it's kind of a long story, but I essentially, I started doing content writing and copywriting back in 2007. I was a full-time teacher and needed extra money. And so I started doing that kind of on the side for a few years. And then in 2013, I left teaching and started doing this full-time, but I was doing, I call it um, content on demand. So uh, a client would say, Hey, I need these emails written, or can you write this series of blog posts? And I was just writing content. I felt like for the sake of writing content. So I didn't feel like 
it was giving my clients very much value. I was doing what they wanted and what they thought they needed, but the reality was it wasn't really doing anything for them because there was no strategy behind it. There was no reason. They were just, oh, I, I think I want to sell this thing. So I'm going to write these blog posts about that. And, you know, and, and it just didn't make any sense to me. So in about 2006, 17, I think mid 2017, I decided that I was going to change the structure of my business. And I was only going to work with clients who allowed me to create a strategy for them to actually figure out what does their audience really need? What do they want? What are the goals in their business so that we could kind of create content around that instead of just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that something would stick because prior to that, it really wasn't sticking. Right. It's kind of like that move the needle moment, right? You're like, why are we doing this when it's not actually creating any results? Yeah. And, and, you know, they were paying me, I was making money, which is, you know, like we all are in business to make money, hopefully, you know, that's, it's a business. It's not, you know, I like doing it, but I'm not just doing it for fun. (laughs) I'm doing it because this is my (laughs) livelihood. And so I really wanted, it started feeling icky though, because they weren't really getting the results that they could have gotten had there been an actual strategy behind what we were putting together. You know, it's so funny that you say it that way because I've, well, I've experienced the exact same thing, but I've experienced it in almost every iteration of every kind of business that I have started. So, you know, my very first business in photography, people would be like, can't we just like show up and you take pictures? I'm like, yeah, if you want like boring ones. I mean, yeah, I don't want to plan. And, and then, you know, I moved into branding photography and I, I, I had the exact same experience. People were like, so like, I need a headshot. And I said, okay, so, you know, what kind of people do you want to be attracting? I just want a picture. I'm like, yes, but you want your picture to do something like, like, right. I mean, and I think the reality is if they're educated on the subject, if, if they know why we are asking the questions that we are asking, Obviously it's going to be an easier sell for us, you know, selling our services, but also a lot of people came to me uneducated about that. So I had like that double whammy job and I, was that something that you experienced as well? Yeah, absolutely. They thought that they wanted this tangible thing, the blog post, the email sequence, whatever, that's what they wanted was the tangible thing when reality, you know, it's the outcome. It's what is the outcome that you actually want? It is the, um, you know, attracting the right people to you. It is educating your audience. It's entertaining your audience. It's, you know, um, getting the information out there that needs to be out there in your industry. It's not the actual blog post because there's a lot of different ways you can present the content. It doesn't have to be a blog post. It could be a lot of other things. And so like, because they're seeing other people write blogs or write social media posts, that's kind of like the narrow mindset of this is what I need. When in reality, they need something totally different, or they need a totally different topic. They, you know, they're not, they don't need a blog post about this topic. They need, you know, this course or email sequence or, or whatever it is about something totally different. So it's about like, yeah, like you said, educating, you need to educate your audience. You need to educate the people who are coming to you because what they think they need is a lot of times, oftentimes not what they actually need. Yeah. And I want to make it really clear. This isn't like a bait and switch thing that we're talking about. This isn't like a, you know, sell them what they want, give them what they need thing. I I really think that this is a discussion, a conversation between you and that potential client, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have to 
they're an expert in, in what they're doing and what they're creating and what they're putting out there. They're the expert in that. And then, you know, we're the expert in, okay, but what do they actually need to get that out there to the world? What do they need so that they can sell their own expertise and they can attract the right people to them? Um, and so, yeah, it's totally a conversation because we're not going to do something that they're not comfortable with or that is totally off base for them. It's figuring out what they actually need. And part of what I do to help them figure that out is one of the things I talk about a lot is talking to your, to their audience. What does their audience actually need and want? What are the questions that they're having? Cause you have to put yourself in the mind of the people who you are trying to attract the people who you are creating the content for, what is it that they want? Because, you know, you can think you know what your audience needs and wants, but until you're actually talking to them and asking them those questions and paying attention to what they're posting on social media and what the content they're putting out there, you don't actually, you don't actually know. So I love that you said that because one of the pieces of advice, shall we say, that I see floating around all too often is like, well, just, you know, what questions are they asking you in the DMs? And I think that's really great if you already have a following. If you have an engaged audience that is asking you questions, then you are getting a lot of that kind of what does the audience need insight. But there's a lot of people out there who don't have the following yet, and they're not going to get the following without creating some content and putting some visibility effort out there. So it's like a catch 22. And I'd love to hear how you kind of guide people in that situation. So I have a, it's called a ask your audience challenge. It's a, it's a free challenge that I have out there that kind of walks people through how to create an audience survey. And, and then, but that goes back to the, well, what if they don't have an audience yet? Right. <laughs> so my recommendation is usually to find the people and this is all done. This is done strategically. It's going to sound a little slimy until I explain it a little bit further, <laughs> but <laughs> You find the people who you want to work with, who you know your product or service is going to help. So if I think that that my product or service is going to help you, Brittany, I would first try to establish a relationship and, you know, start following you, start, you know, establishing some sort of relationship with you because I'm not going to cold pitch you to take this survey or to talk to me about something because then you're just going to think, well, she's just trying to sell me something. Thank <laughs> no, goodness. <laughs> this, this is about like establishing a relationship, finding people who, you know, your product or service would, would benefit, um, having some sort of relationship, even if it's just like a back and forth on the DMS or you're commenting on something on social media media and then asking them to take the survey, you know, with some sort of incentive to finish it, like a gift card or something like that at the end. And finding the people who are asking the people who you have already worked with before. So, you know, if you're in business, even if, even if they've only worked with you on a, a free challenge that you've offered, or they've opted into your list and you have 10 people on your list, find those people who are potentially ideal clients, ideal customers of yours, and ask them to take a survey. And that could be something, a written survey. It could also be something that you're doing one-on-one -on, -one on something like Zoom so that you can, you know, ask follow-up questions and things like that. So it's not about asking your entire audience to answer something because I talk about like my, my own email list. My parents are on my email list. I don't mm -hmm. want my parents taking my survey. <laughs> yep. They are not ideal customers. You don't know, even if you only have 50 people 
on your email list. You do not know all of the people on your email list. You don't know all of the people who are following you on social media. Don't ask random people to fill out your survey. You're asking people who you know would benefit from your product or service. I love that. Uh, one of the things I've said on on the show in the past is like the only person whose opinion matters is your best clients. Yes. Don't go to your mom or your best friend or your spouse for for business advice because they're not the ones that are actually paying money for your services. So it doesn't actually matter. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like every Facebook group I have ever been in, someone posts like, here's my four logo design options. Which one do you think I should choose? I'm like, you don't care about my opinion. I am not your best client. I can give you my opinion as someone who has a, a very well-versed design background. I can give you my, my opinion as someone who's been in branding for years, but if I'm not your best client, it doesn't matter what I think, you know? So it's hard to turn that off though. Um, I have had my dad call me up after um, reading one of my emails and he'll ask me, well, why, why did you say that? And, and inside, like for, for a split second, I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> like, maybe I should have done something different. I mean, cause I value what my dad says. He, he had his own business, but that was in the eighties, you know, this is 2021. <laughs> well, and, and he probably had a very different kind of business. As Absolutely. Well. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I know I've been the same experience. My dad was self-employed all through my childhood growing up, but he was a contractor. Uh, like, you know, in software and uh, everything. So he programmed and he essentially was an employee. He just, you know, who he worked for changed a lot more often than your average employee at that time. But, you know, he and my mom always called him um, like a business owner or a small business owner. And like, I moved into this world and I was like, I mean, yeah, you technically owned a business, but that is leagues away from anything that I've ever done. Right. So absolutely. (laughs) All right. So surveying, what is the favorite question you've ever put on a survey for yourself or for a client? Oh, so I I feel like I kind of have standard questions that I ask all the time. You want to know, I think that the, well, the most telling uh, question I feel like, and the one that caused me personally to make the biggest change was I asked, um, I always ask, what's your favorite place to consume content? So where are people actually showing up? Right? So there are so many places for people to show up now. Uh, you know, they're, they're reading blogs, they're listening to podcasts, they're watching YouTube videos, they're showing up on TikTok or, um, Instagram or wherever. And people wrote, Oh, so one year I did this, this was, uh, I think it was February of 2019. Um, and almost every single person who took the survey said that they are listening to podcasts and I did not have a podcast at the time. And I had no intention of starting a podcast, uh-huh. <laughs> but yet I saw that. And then a couple people wrote in like an open-ended question at the bottom, like, when are you going to start your podcast, Abby? <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm starting a podcast. I didn't really want to. I did though in, in September of 2019. And now I'm almost to my three-year anniversary of my podcast. I'm sorry, two-year anniversary. I can't do math. So yeah, I mean, that's, so to me, that's one of the most telling questions. I also like to ask, you know, like, where do you follow me online? And then asking about pain points um, and making that an open-ended question. What is your biggest struggle around, you know, whatever the topic happens to be around creating content around, um, taking care of your books around, you know, keeping your house organized, whatever it is that you do, 
ask that in an open-ended way, because that's where you're going to get the topic ideas for whatever your pillar content is. That's where you're going to get the words that you can use for whatever launch you have coming up or whatever email that you're getting ready to send. That's where you're going to get the words that your audience is actually speaking. Gotcha. So switching gears just a little bit, since you did mention your podcast, I love the name of it. It's the content experiment. And I have my own reasons for loving it, but I, I want to hear your thought process with that, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually kind of a personal story. I actually changed the name of my business at the same time that I changed the podcast name because it used to be stories in small business. So in the I think this is the first time I've told this story on somebody else's podcast. Ooh, so I'm a little fun. nervous. <laughs> I'm playing with my hair. I'm a little nervous. Um, back in the spring of 2020, I was having some health issues and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I ended up seeing a functional medicine doctor or practitioner. And one of the things, you know, we found all of these things wrong with me. And so like we made all these health changes. And one of the things that she told me I needed to do was to stop drinking because that was becoming almost a daily habit of mine um, last year. So I did and decided that it was something that I needed to just do forever, like just completely quit drinking altogether. And I was looking for support in how to do that because you know, like it's kind of a, I feel like, um, alcohol in general is just kind of like a norm, you know, it's just a societal norm these days, especially in COVID and especially with like the mom, mom wine culture and all of that. So yeah, it's wine o'clock, right? <laughs> yep, it is. So I look, was looking for support and I found a woman named Annie Grace. She has a book called the alcohol experiment. And it's all around, um, finding things that you can do in your life and ways that you can make it work for you to not drink. And so I just really, I loved the book, um, talks about the science behind alcohol, what it does to your body and to your mind and all of that. And I decided, God, that's kind of what I do like with clients. I mean, we, you know, content is this ever changing beast because of the new platforms that come out, because what we're, what's working today is probably not going to work three months from now because of algorithms, because somebody's business changes, because their messaging, messaging changes and all of that. And so I thought, you know what, that's really what I do is we just, we do these experiments and we see what's working. We look at the numbers, we make tweaks and changes and do things differently moving forward. And so I was getting ready to host a summit. I hosted a summit in March of 2021. And the name of the summit was the content experiment. And as we got further into the planning of the summit, I was like, this is not the name of my summit. This is the name of my business. And so I just changed everything in February of 2021. That is so fantastic. Oh my gosh. I mean, the whole story is awesome. And I mean, more power to you for, you know, getting through that whole process. I know that's a big decision, but just treating it all like an experiment. You're, you're right. I mean, content is one big test, right? I mean, all of, all of marketing is a test. We've said that many times, right? but, but content and, and the way you paired it with the personal story. I mean, I think that's the best example of a content story I've, I've heard in a while because it's those personal story metaphors. I feel like really teach people like, oh, Hey, this thing that I've thought about forever, it might not be true. It might be more like this other thing. So that was just a really brilliant example all in itself. (laughs) Thanks. Well, and I think that like, for me, I, my, my business name before was right solutions. 
I never used my business name because I hated it from like day one. And I came, I mean, I, it was just totally random how I came up with it. And I, I feel like, you know, the way that I came into this iteration of my business was, yeah, like you said, it's very personal. It, you know, has a lot of meaning behind it. And yeah, it's just, I've shared it a few times on my, I've shared a little bit about it a few times on my own podcast um, and on somebody else's podcast in just the, just the personal side, not tied to business at all. And yeah, it just works for me. I feel like it gives it more of a personal touch. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I know that one of the things that you do with your clients is making sure that their content walks them through a, a journey. And that's something that I'm a big fan of as well. I think well, if you're going to strategically lay out content, let's hope it follows a journey, right? Yes. But yes. I think it's also <laughs> one of the most easily overlooked things when it comes to putting together a content plan. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, about how you handle that aspect. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that a lot of what we do with clients is related to that brand visibility, like the, the very first step and, you know, getting people to to find them, um, helping them with identifying places where they can uh, showcase their own expertise, where they're creating their own content on blogs or being guests on podcasts and helping to identify places like that. But then what happens next? So what happens after um, somebody discovers you, whether it's on a podcast or on a blog or in a social media post or a partnership that you've done. So what's the next thing? Well, you want to capture their email address. You want to capture um, their attention, get them to follow you. So kind of figuring out what those pieces of content are at each of the stages. So I have actually, I know everybody maps out a journey in a different way. I have six stages in mind and they're, they're not actually selling anything, money doesn't change hands until stage four, because you have to build the know, like, and trust factor. You have to, you know, they need to recognize who you are. You need to get them um, hooked and then, you know, the no like, and trust factor before they actually buy before any money changes hands. And then after that, you think about, okay, so you've sold this package, you've sold this thing, what happens next? So part of the whole content journey is the onboarding experience, what it looks like for those new clients after they've paid you money. And then hopefully, depending on what your business is, there comes a point where they're no longer a good fit, where um, they have outgrown you or vice versa. And so how are you going to maintain that relationship? So that's part of the, the journey also. That's stage six for me. Um, what happens afterwards? How are you going to stay in touch with them? How are you going to maintain that relationship? And it's still content, even if it's Voxer messages, even if you are sending a handwritten note to former clients like six months later to check in with them, whatever it is, that's still content. We don't necessarily help clients with that, but it's something that you need to think about. So the thing that's interesting to me about what you just said is that that's still part of the journey. And I think a lot of people have a decent onboarding experience, but the whole offboarding experience, it's like, it doesn't even enter in their minds. And I have 100% been guilty of this. Like it's something I, I, I constantly struggle with. Like I, I kind of finish things up with the client and they're like, so are we like done? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I probably could have told you that in a different way though, huh? Oops. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have done the exact same thing. In fact, I had a client, I, I typically, 
And so I transitioned from doing copywriting, straight out copywriting, like writing website copy and things like that into content strategy. And I love having that ongoing retainer relationship with the clients because I mean, not only is it more, it's consistent revenue, right? But it's also a relationship. You can build a relationship with the client. Whereas I feel like the one-off stuff is really difficult to build relationships. You have you know, the, the project that maybe lasts three months and then you're done. And so, yeah, I, I you know, I, and eventually, you know, you do phase out, even though after a couple of years, you know, maybe you phase out, everybody's going in a different direction. But then I had a client recently who um, we offboarded. I know I didn't do a great job. And probably a week or two later, I sent her a boxer and I'm like, I feel weird. Like we're not talking anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> so let's keep in touch. I mean, and, and maybe I'll be a good fit for her or vice versa later on, but it's just not right now. And so, yeah, it feels weird. <laughs> I do not do a great job. And it's something that has been on my mind in the last couple of months that I need to figure out what that process is going to look like. Same, same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Abby, this has been a fantastic conversation. What is the best place for us to find you online? Probably Instagram. That's where I, I spend more of my time uh, than anywhere else. And I met the content experiment. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks again to Abby. I so appreciate the time that you spent with us. And friends, I hope you listened to some of those things that Abby and I covered and specifically the things we said. A lot of people overlook this, but because here's the deal. When you have two content people telling you the same thing, that means it's common. It's a commonly overlooked thing and you can set yourself apart simply by being better in that one area. All right. Talk to you guys next week. 